Thirteen, Chapter Two of Round the Block by John Belbooten. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Possible love. You have guessed rightly. Miss Minford is your niece. The proofs will be found in this packet. They are articles of clothing taken from the child as fast as new ones were supplied to prevent its identification, bearing the initials of Helen Wilkeson. I preserved them with the vague idea of benefiting her by them some day. I have seen the child by stealth a few times since I gave her to Mr. and Mrs. Minford, but never called at their house. It was agreed between us that I should never make myself known as the child's mother, and that they should never seek to learn my name and history. I acted as seamstress in several families in this city until about five years ago I obtained an engagement in a family in New Jersey, living in the very town where that unlucky panorama was exhibited. It happened, as you know, that you and I rode in the same car from New York, where I had been on a shopping excursion. I recognized and was profoundly impressed with your resemblance to your brother. Learning that you were connected with the panorama, I attended the exhibition that I might observe you more closely. There you were arrested on the charge of murdering Mr. Minford, of which I again say I always believed you were totally innocent. You may remember that a woman fainted away. I was she. The sudden recollection of those two names, Wilkeson and Minford, in such a connection was too much even for my nerves. I read the trial with fearful interest, and rejoiced in your release from the accusation. Providence at last seemed to point out the way to make all the reparation for my crime. I should have done it immediately after your acquittal, had I not seen by the papers that a wealthy lady, Mrs. Krull, had given your niece a home in her family. I postponed this act of justice from one week to another until my failing health warned me that it could not be put off with safety longer. I thank heaven that I have had strength and resolution to do it at last. This act of atonement, madam, said Marcus, entitles you to my respect and sympathy. If you ever need a friend, I trust you will do me the favor of calling on me. I thank you, she replied but I have means enough to support me for the remainder of my days, which are numbered. The family in which I live, little knowing my true history, are very kind to me. The protracted conversation had not been closed too soon. A violent cough seized upon the poor woman's frame and shook it like a leaf. When it had ceased, Marcus observed that her lips were streaked with blood. He begged to send for a doctor, but she would not have one, and rose to take her leave. Marcus insisted, however, upon ordering a carriage for her conveyance to the New Jersey Railroad Depot, and she at length consented to receive that kindness from him. To the driver he whispered words of caution, and instructed him to take the lady to a physician in case she was ill on the journey and if so to report immediately thereafter to him. He then shook her hand frankly, 
and begged her again to remember that he should always be her friend. She smiled sadly as she replied, Again and again I thank you, sir, but it is useless to accept your kind offers, for we are meeting for the last time. The carriage was driven slowly away. The poor woman's words were true, and Marcus never saw her more. End of Book 13 Chapter 2